Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. It's good to see you here today, and uh, it's good to be here. Happy Father's Day to all the dads who are here today. And uh, a, a thank you to um, Sam, uh, Kristen, and Richard, Andrew, Tina, Kiralee, uh, for everyone who's taken part, and John uh, in our service, and just uh, for the very warm welcome that you've given uh, to Wendy and I and Sandina. And uh, it's good to be here. It's exciting. It's a great time of year. This is my favorite time of year, spring. And uh, today I got a pinch and a punch from my wife. Uh, you know that thing, pinch and a punch for the first of the month? We do that as a family, and it's always a race to see who gets to do each other first. But I lost today on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> anyway, um, look, I wanted to speak to the dads. Um, fathers, you have such uh, an important role in the shaping of the next generation and the generations to come. You have more power than you realize in your words and your actions to positively influence the next generation. And uh, I just want to say that to the men here today. I want to say too that we recognize that today on Father's Day, it can be a very painful day for people. There are, there are men amongst us who have longed and wanted to be a dad, but haven't been able to be a dad. And so Father's Day can be painful for, for them. For others, it's a painful day because uh, our fathers have passed away. They're no longer with us. Or for others amongst us here today, some of us have had a very difficult relationship with dad and it hasn't been a real positive one. And so that causes some pain on a, on a day that's meant to be a day where we honour and respect and sometimes it can be a difficult day. And, and then there's uh, for others, it's, it's just a great day. And there's food and gifts and presents and, and cards and it's a, it's a wonderful day. But for some of us here today, maybe you've had a bit of a tough relationship with dad. Maybe your father was a critical father or maybe he was an absent father, always at work, rarely at home. Or maybe he was absent emotionally. Maybe he was there, but he really wasn't there with you, present with you. And so for some Today, it can be a difficult day uh, to recognize that. For some, it's, uh, some people have had a, a father, a bit like Homer Simpson. You know, Homer Simpson, it's been a while since he's been on TV, but you know, he, he would you know, basically delegate the parenting duties to Marge. You know, that, and he was just the sit on the couch, Homer Simpson sort of dad. Others of us have had different relationships with dad. I just want to introduce a little bit of myself to you this morning before we get into the main part of the message. I've got a photo of me and my dad. I took this. I don't take many selfies, so, you know, it's a little bit of looking up rather than looking this way. But uh, that's, that's my dad, and uh, dad is 89 years old, and uh, he's retired now. He's been a hard-working farmer for most of his life. Uh, we grew crops. In fact, many of you have probably eaten some of his crops. He grew beans, pineapples and cucumbers, and we'd often send them to the Sydney markets or the Melbourne markets uh, from the Mary Valley in, in Queensland. And uh, I love my mum and dad. They're both now, as I said, in their late 80s. Uh, they live on the outskirts of the Sunshine Coast, uh, Gympie, uh, which is about two hours north of Brisbane. And that's where they are. And uh, this next photo I just want to show you is a photo that was taken at my dad's 80th birthday, which is now nine and a half years ago. And in that photo, there is mum and dad, their seven children, the seven children's spouses, and 
many grandchildren and even many great-grandchildren. So that is just uh, my mum my and dad's immediate family uh, taken nine and a half years ago. And on, over here you can see Wendy holding our little seven-month-old Sandina uh, over here. She's the cute little bubba over there. So that's, um, that's a little bit about them. Um, I went to Bible college in 1991. I think I was a year behind Andrew. I think he started in 1990. But we shared a, a number of um, groups and all that sort of stuff together and table tennis competitions, which I think I might have beat you in that. Um, but that's okay. Um, but my, I went to Bible college in 1991, and that was at Carlingford. So made the big trek down from Queensland to Sydney. I had so much stuff that mum and dad had to bring their car down as well. So dad drove his beautiful statesman caprice that was paid for by a block of cucumbers growing on the farm. It made enough money out of cucumbers that year to pay for his new statesman caprice. Anyway, mum and dad filled their car up, drove down from Queensland with, you know, I drove, but there was extra stuff that needed to come. And dad drove down Pennant Hills Road and he missed the entrance to the college and so he's heading a bit down to Beddington Road or towards Parramatta area. And Dad, who's a farm boy, said, oh, look, you just reverse up the road. So stopped Pennant Hills Road, reversed up Pennant Hills Road. And it's a miracle that no one bumped into him on the way down to Parramatta. But he survived. And that was 30 years ago. And that road's got a bit busier since. Um, but uh, anyway, he survived the story. And he, lo he wanted me to tell you that story this morning. Um, uh, this is my wedding photo. Wendy and I, we were married um, in Sydney at Pendle Hill uh, in um, March of 2000. And uh, so we've been married coming up for 20 years next year. So uh, that's uh, my beautiful wife. We met in Sydney. As she said, she's a Tassie girl. Uh, we have three children. We have two children that are living in heaven. And we'll tell you that story another day, but it's not for today. Um, and we have Sandina here who's living here with us here on earth. My first Father's Day was in 2008. And that was a very difficult day because our boys had gone to heaven before our, my first Father's Day with them. But I just love to pray for us now and then I'll get into the heart of our message. That's a little bit about me. You're going to get to know more. Um, but that's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, each and every one of us today brings up all kinds of emotions. For some, it's joy. For others, it's sadness and grief and anger. For others, there's just a deep sense of rejoicing in who you are as our Father. But Lord, I would ask that in these moments of this remaining part of this service and in this message, Lord, that we would have ears to hear what you want to say to us. That we would have eyes to see you, God, for who you really are. And that you would help us get to know you better uh, through our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Tina read the words before from Matthew. Uh, Matthew was a man. He was a tax collector. He loved making money off his fellow Jewish people. But one day Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up in Matthew's life, Matthew's was, Matthew was never the same. His life changed. Jesus said to Matthew, come and follow me. And Matthew came and began to follow Jesus. 
Matthew's life was never the same. And Matthew was an eyewitness of Jesus, of the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did. And so Matthew wrote down what Jesus said and what he did. And you've been hearing over the last few weeks um, an excellent message series uh, that Sam has preached on what Jesus had to say about money matters. And, and Jesus would you know, speak and, and, and often we'd go, ouch, People would go, ouch, and Matthew wrote it down. And it's really interesting that not just after Jesus preached about storing up our treasures in heaven, he talked about this passage that Tina's just read to us today about worry. Now, they say, some of the research, when it's your first day on the job, one of the first things you want to worry about is what you're going to wear. It's one of those things, you know, what do people worry about when they're going on their first day of the job? What do you wear? What's expected of me? Um, you know, Where's the bathroom? Um, you know, all those things, you know, on the first day of the job. And I just wanted to say, um, today's my first day. <laughs> what do you wear? You know, what do you, you know, and it's just one of those things. But we as people, Jesus knew that there'd be things that we would be anxious about. He knew that there'd be things in our own lives that we'd be concerned about or worried about. And so Jesus knew that. And he speaks to us. From his word. And I just want to read a couple of passages um, that Tina read to us um, from Matthew. And this is Matthew writing it down. In, in, in chapter 6, 25 to 26, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You know, this morning as I arrived here, I put um, the girls went for a walk. I put the window down, sat in my car, went over my message a little bit, and I could hear the parrots and hear the birds singing and tweeting. And it's interesting, birds have value. And, and, and Jesus knew that birds had value and that the Father provides the food for the birds. But we are far more valuable than the birds of the air. And Jesus wants us to look to our Heavenly Father to say and to recognize that our Father provides for our needs because we are His children. We're children of God and God as our Father loves to meet our needs. Not our wants, our needs. Because often our wants and needs are two different things. Jesus continued, and in chapter 6, 28 to 30, he says, Why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about what you'll wear on your first day of work? Why do you worry about clothes generally? And what, what is it that we often talk about in the first thing in the morning? What are we going to wear? <laughs> or what are we going to eat? We, we think about these things. Uh, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So I just got three points this morning. The first point is this, that Jesus knows our needs. Our Heavenly Father knows our needs and he meets them in abundance. Jesus said that. That's what Jesus is saying. Our Heavenly Father knows our needs and he meets them in abundance. He knows what we need to eat, drink. 
He knows what we need to wear. He knows what our needs are, and he provides them more than we would ask. God's heart, the heart of our Father, is to provide for our needs. He's a providing God. God is not stingy. Our Heavenly Father is an extravagant God, an extravagant God who loves to give good gifts to his children and is extravagant in his love and goodness to us. Our Heavenly Father invites us to trust him, to trust that he's a God who provides for our needs. Matthew also wrote down what Jesus said about prayer. Prayer is that simple step of talking with our God, talking with our Heavenly Father. And Matthew, who uh, wrote to, as he was writing, he was, you know, when Matthew wrote his gospel, he wanted people who don't yet know Jesus to know Jesus. He wanted people that didn't yet engage with Jesus to understand who Jesus is and to understand what it looks like to have a relationship with God. So, so in Matthew 7, 9 to 11, he says this about fathers. Which of you dads, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if, you, or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's comparing human fathers and the fact that a human father wouldn't, you know, a, a father who loves his kids wouldn't give his kids a snake or a stone if he asked for bread or fish. No, and Jesus says, look, God, our heavenly father, is far more loving than any human father can ever be. And our heavenly father is a God who loves to pour out good gifts to his children and 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 our God is one that we come to and we ask now we don't just treat God like a big coke machine and put in our slot of prayer and out comes the coke no no we treat God with respect and honor and we can ask him though for good gifts and God is a God who is gracious and loves to give good gifts to his children sometimes his answer is yes sometimes it's no sometimes it's maybe sometimes it's wait but God loves to give good gifts. And what Jesus is, is helping us see here today is how important it is to appreciate God's love and gifts for us. Now, today's being Father's Day, and Father's Day is often that day where dads get appreciated, isn't it? Dads get gifts or cards or presents, and today I've got my Father's Day, one of my Father's Day presents on. Do you want to see? Maybe. So I've got my, my new, these are my happy socks. These are my happy socks. And so Nina gave me all these wonderful gifts last night because today was a bit early this, you know, it was a bit early this morning. Didn't have, so I've got all these lovely gifts of socks from Sandina. My popcorn socks, my pineapple socks, my tractor socks because I tell stories about my life on the farm to Sandina. My bug, see, Sandina loves bugs and doesn't like me killing them, so she's got that to help me remember. She's given me all these lovely gifts of socks. These are my raindrop socks, my banana socks. And, and these socks I have to wear whenever I tell a story at mainly music or something, so they're little unicorn. So these are my socks, but these are, and, and there's a little meaning behind each and every one of those beautiful socks that Sandina's given me. 
And she's even done a card and drawn a picture. How cool is that? I know it's a bit hard to see at the back, but uh, you can have a look. That's my, me and my green beanie, which I wear when I snore at night. So, but here's the thing. With, with, you know, with Father's Day, kids, people express appreciation, but I want us to see, if, and, and if you want to do something this afternoon, I want to encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 1. We're not going to deal with it today. But in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul lists all these beautiful gifts that our Heavenly Father has given us. That we are loved and chosen and special and created and we have a purpose in our life. And Ephesians chapter 1 spells that out. And the thing, the second point I want to just bring out this morning is this. When it comes to this, Jesus said, Our Heavenly Father generously gives good gifts to his children he's given us so much he's given us variety he's given us mountains and hills and valleys beaches and bush he's given us this world to enjoy he's given us each other god has been so good to us tina's been leading the youth of our church through a bible study through the book of james and in james james was the half brother of jesus he you know he sort of grew up with Jesus. He didn't, he was initially skeptical of Jesus, of who he said he was. I mean, you would be if he's your big brother sort of thing. But, but, but James became a follower of Jesus. And he became someone who wrote, he became a leader in the Christian church. And he wrote to all the Christians who were going through a really tough time 2,000 years ago because they were being persecuted for their faith. And he wrote a wonderful, wonderful book, the book of James. And in James chapter 1, verse 17, this is what he has to say about God. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. You know, the heavenly lights, the sun, the moon, the stars, they have shifting shadows, but God himself doesn't change. And every good and perfect gift, where does it come from? Our Father, our Heavenly Father. Every good and perfect gift that you have ultimately comes from our Heavenly Father. Even the gift that you have of your ability to make a dollar, your ability to work, our ability to to live and breathe, every breath comes from our Father. He's a good God. Our Heavenly Father loves us and He loves to give good gifts to His children. He has given us so much. In honor of Father's Day today, I just want to show a brief video. This video has no words. This, this video, what's happened, a young man has been given a call by a family member about his own dad. And I just want us to watch this as we just think about fathers and think about our Heavenly Father. Let's just have a look at this for a moment. It's a video that shows the love a father has for his boy and the love that that father has for a boy that means that that father will get on his knees and pray for his boy. And then as the years go by, all sorts of things happen in their relationship and then when he gets the call about his dad that something's happened, he's either sick or dying or he's, or he's gone, and the boy comes back comes back home and he realizes how much his daddy loves him 
and that changes his heart and he becomes then the father who knows God, a father who talks to his heavenly father about his own boy and then his little boy watches him pray. And as I said, as I began the message this morning, dads, you have the power in your hands to influence the next generation and the generations to come. But it starts with us as men getting on our knees and coming to our Father and asking God to soften our hearts and do what he needs to do in us so that we can be the men that our Father calls us to be. And then for us to invest in the next generation and to show the love of God. You know, the message I called it today, the heart of a father or a father's heart, and the, the, the real heart of the message is this, no pun intended, is that we have a father whose number one passion is for people to be in relationship with him. There are lots of things that God is passionate about. Lots of things that God cares about, but the number one overriding passion of God, our creator, is that people be in relationship with him. That's his number one passion and what, he, what his heartbeat is. He longs for people to know him. That's what God brings uh, God's heart greatest joy, isn't it? When people know him. Jesus told a story about that, and it is in Luke chapter 15. It's the story of a dad who has two boys, and, you know, the younger boy would rather his dad was dead, and the younger boy wants his dad's share of the estate. And so his dad generously gives it to him, and away he goes, and he spends his money, and he wastes it all, and he ends up getting a job feeding the pigs on a farm, which isn't kosher for a Jewish boy to be involved in, feeding pigs. And so he, he wakes up to himself, and he says, hang on a minute. My dad has all these hired servants at home. I'm going to go home. Wouldn't I be better off at home? So he prepares his speech and he goes back to his dad. Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. But when what happens? What does the dad do in this story? The father sees the boy from a long way off and he does what no Jewish man would ever do run to his rebellious son the father humbles himself to run in public which is not what a jewish father would ever do when a rebellious son has said dad i would rather you were dead and he runs to this boy and he runs to him and he throws his arms around him and kisses him and hugs him and welcomes him home he says quick kill the fattened calf Kill that fattened calf because we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate because this brings me great joy. My son was lost, but now he's found. He's home. He's home where he belongs, in relationship with the father. So they get the robe and put it on him, and they give him the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and, and he's home. And, and this Jesus tells this story because... He wants people to recognize that the Father's heart is for people to know him. And Jesus demonstrates, so just this is my third and last point. Jesus demonstrates this, that our Heavenly Father's heart is filled with compassion for those who are disengaged with Jesus. Our heart, the Father's heart, is filled with compassion for those 
who are disengaged with Jesus. Jesus loves you today. No matter who you are, some of you have come today and, and, and maybe it's your first day in church, maybe you're a guest here today. Some of you are exploring faith and you're just not sure what this Christianity is about. Here's the heart of Christianity. It's this, that there is a God in heaven who is passionately in love with you. He has a purpose for your life. He wants to forgive you of all the things you've done wrong. He wants to restore you to a right relationship with him. That's our Heavenly Father. And Jesus demonstrated that in his words, in his miracles, and his actions. But ultimately, in giving his life for us on the cross. There are seven things that Jesus said while he's on the cross. The first thing he said was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You and I, we've done things and we haven't known what we're doing. And we need forgiveness and Jesus pleads for us while he's on the cross father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and then the seventh and last thing that Jesus said when he was on the cross he said father into your hands I commit my spirit and Jesus was praying a prayer then that actually demonstrated the story of his life which was a life of complete surrender to the heavenly father and Jesus finishes his work here on earth by dying on the cross and he commits himself, he prays this prayer, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And in these two sayings, which we celebrate each Sunday when we have communion, we recognize that our greatest need is not for food or clothing or drink. It's not for money or wealth or a job. Our greatest need is forgiveness. And we recognize when we share in communion, we say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned and I haven't known what I was doing. And we also in communion and when we give our lives to Jesus, we say, Father, into your hands I give myself. I, I can't live my life on my own. I need you, Father. I need you, Father, and I surrender my life to you. I'm just going to lead us in prayer and maybe today... Uh, this might be your chance to say, God, I need forgiveness. I've blown it. And it may be also your opportunity to say, God, I surrender my life to you. I want you to be my heavenly daddy. I want you to be my heavenly father. And I want to follow Jesus. Will you join me as we pray and as we prepare for communion this morning, as we take the bread, which represents the body of Jesus, and drink the cup representing the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sin. Let's pray. Is this your first connection point with Northside? Well, we also meet in person too, you know. You can find us on the corner of Oxley Street and Pole Lane, Crow's Nest, Sydney. So why not check out our website, northsidechurch.org.au, for an overview of who we are and how to find us.